ground My hopes still stay My guide walks upon the
Amen. Nothing like the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day. We'll be talking about that a little later. Uh, not going to give you any flowers or anything, but uh, I've got something I guarantee you. I've got something that we've never done on Father's Day before. <laughs> anyway. Um, But the real father that we want to celebrate today is the Heavenly Father. Amen? So, uh, you know, this is a special day. Just like every time we come together, it's an opportunity for us to worship, opportunity for us to enter into God's presence and experience Him. He wants to freely give us all things. And as we come into His presence, if we begin to lift up His name, just, it just begins to be poured out on us. He's given us revelation and insight. He's given us healing and deliverance and victory. All the good stuff, it all happens in his presence. Psalms 28 says, Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Yes. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. Yes. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving refuge of his anointed. Thank you, Jesus. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. So, Lord, today we invite you to come. Come and bless us, your inheritance. Bear us up forever, Lord. Shepherd us, lead us, and guide us into the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord. We want to hear your voice. We want to follow you. We want to walk with you. We want to know you, Lord, so that when you speak, we hear. And when you touch, we respond. And when you call, we say, yes, here I am. Send me. Lord, we want to see and hear and know you so that we can see and hear and, and touch people the way that you want us to, Lord. Today is the day that we celebrate you, Father, as our God. We are your people. We are your children. And so today, come, have your way among us. As we lift our voices, Lord, we focus our attention on you and we celebrate you and your goodness. Yes. Reveal yourself to us, all of your goodness. In Jesus' name, let's worship.
treasure you found. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is inviting us, just like he always does, to come to the altar. It's an opportunity for us to experience him and you can make an altar wherever you are. It's between you and God. You don't have to have any certain posture physically. It's a posture of your heart. When we begin to say, Lord, I come. I hear you call and I'm responding. Today as we celebrate fathers, I just want to throw this out right now. that There may be men in this room that on this day, you're focusing on your failures and you're not focusing on your success. You're focusing on the things you did not do and the things you did not uh, uh, accomplish with your children. But can you just come to the altar in your heart and say, Lord, I trust you. I trust in your forgiveness. I trust in your grace, Lord. You can redeem all of my mess-ups. You can redeem all of my problems, all of my mistakes. Just like we sang, leave behind the regrets and the mistakes and the bad choices. And just come to the altar and let him heal your heart so that you don't have to go all the time with that pain, condemnation and guilt and shame of, of failures of the past. Because we've all got failures. But he wants to deliver us from all of that. He wants us to trust in his forgiveness so that, that our failures become sources of victory because they're not a failure anymore when they've been redeemed by the Lord. And so Lord, today, we lay everything before you. You call us. You said come. So we're coming. In our hearts, we're coming to you. We're, we're not crawling. We're not groveling. But we're rushing to you because your arms are open wide and the altar is open and you're saying come. Come. So we come to you this morning, Lord. We lay down all of our our fears and our mistakes and the regrets and the guilt and the shame of all the things we've done wrong and the woulda, coulda, shouldas, everything that we, we worry about and fret over, Lord, we lay it all before you. I don't want to carry that burden anymore. It's too heavy. I can't carry it. You carried it on the cross. You nailed it to the cross. And it went in the ground with you and it came out healed and redeemed when you rose from the grave. And Lord, I thank you that you have conquered death, hell, and the grave. And we are more than victorious now because of you, because you triumphed. And we are more than conquerors. So Lord, forgive us, cleanse and wash us in your blood. Help us to trust in your forgiveness. It is enough. Your forgiveness is enough. We remember, but you forget, Lord. You choose not to remember anymore. Help us to know the power, the awesome power of your forgiveness, Lord. It is enough. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, I thank you that you're here this morning. I thank you for your presence, Lord, that you have called us, called us. You invited us and said, come. There's no reason to wait. There's no reason to, to hesitate. There's no reason to fear. Because when we come to you, we know we always find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. When we come before your throne, you always receive us, Lord. So this morning we come. And Lord, I pray that you speak to each person here now. We want to hear those words, Lord, from you. Words that give life, freedom, peace, 
joy. Lord, comfort us where we, we have mourning and loss in our life over things. Lord, you're able to bring comfort and joy. Speak, Lord. Speak to your people now. Pastor Terry, um, I want you all to look at the screen. See what you see. There's raindrops on there. <laughs> Watch those raindrops. They kind of come and go. And then there's a sheet that comes. I know that there are some of us who feel like we have been in the wilderness and it's dry. Just like our land was really dry and we got a big rain on it the other day. Our hearts are very similar. But as those raindrops come and go and they get bigger and you see them and then there's a sheet, open yourself up to that because the Holy Spirit is that rain. And he wants to refresh you. Yes. Whatever you're going yes. through, as that song said, leave behind those regrets and those mistakes. Because when we dwell on those, we can't, God doesn't get any glory when we keep ourselves bound up, when we're thinking about all the mistakes we made. And then we completely devalue what Jesus did on the cross. Mm. Why did he die for us if we can't get past regrets and mistakes that we make? And don't chastise yourself if you're stuck there. Just let those raindrops in to flow over you and refresh that dryness. And let Jesus bring his holy rain and refresh your spirit because it's there it's there for you to just receive so let go of all those regrets mistakes whatever the bad things you said dumb things you said whatever it is it doesn't matter start today today's a new day and the holy spirit is there to cleanse you of those and bring that refreshing yes Today can be the beginning of when he is making all things new in your life. You can say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because this is what God says about you. He said, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. And it's not going to be like the old one. But I'm going to write my laws in your heart and your mind. And you're going to know me. And he said, and your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. God chooses. He chooses to not remember. Now I'm here to tell you, if you're remembering, that's not God you're listening to. That is the devil and that is your flesh. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. God says, I've come to give you life more abundantly. Lord, today, today we receive what you've done. And I acknowledge your forgiveness is enough, Lord. I am redeemed. I'm not hoping to be redeemed. I am redeemed. I am a new creation. I'm not that same person I was. And yeah, I made mistakes. Yeah, I did wrong. But I am redeemed. And those are under the blood. 
My Passover has already come. Hallelujah. You passed over. And now I'm on the journey to the promised land. I am on the way. And I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to go back to Egypt. I am free. And I'm not going back to bondage again. Thank you, Jesus. Lead us, Lord. Lead us so that we can follow you. And we don't get off the path. We don't lose our way. We don't listen to the wrong voices, Lord. We want to follow you closely so that when you whisper that still, small voice, we hear. We say, yes, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like the Lord would say that my sons and my daughters, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. Those years that you thought were not productive, I was still there. receive your redemption and your restoration. The years that the canker worm and the locusts have eaten, Lord, we receive that redemption and restoration. All the things that have been stolen, we receive your redemption and restoration, Lord. All the lies of the enemy that we've, we've agreed with, we reject that, renounce that, Lord. We receive rest restoration and redemption for those things, Lord all the destruction that's been wrought in our lives because of bad choices and mistakes and, and things, maybe some of us totally beyond our control, and yet, God, you are our Redeemer, and you bring restoration to us. So, Lord, we receive that today. We receive your healing, your cleansing, your forgiveness, your redemption in every area of our life, Lord. For those areas in our lives that we, we failed as parents, Forgive us, Lord, and, and redeem our failures. We trust you. All along, Lord, we trust you. Even, even when we make mistakes, we know you're able to redeem because you are greater than all of our, our mistakes. Lord, help us as children of you, our Father. And, and some of us still have earthly parents. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to be responsive to the voices of our parents, the voice of our Father, the voice that we, that we need to respond to, Lord. We want to be so tuned in to your voice that all other voices would have no appeal. They wouldn't even be a distraction, Lord. Help us to be focused on you. Thank you, Jesus. 
pray that you seal these words. Seal these words in our hearts. That when we go from this place today, we go out of here changed. That we're not going to think about the past like we have before. We're not going to live in the failures of the past or the regrets or the shame or the guilt. But we're going to rejoice and celebrate in your redemption, Lord. We choose to celebrate you and your redemption in us, Lord. Hallelujah. Just like that one line of that song says, I wear forgiveness like a crown. Because your forgiveness is so much greater than all of my mistakes. Your forgiveness is what I rejoice in, Lord, that you have made all things new and you're making all things new and it's never ending. It just keeps being poured out on me, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that every day it's a new opportunity, a new day. Your mercies are fresh and new every morning so that we can wake up and we can have hope that today is going to be the day that we are different, that we're changed. Today is the day that I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I will not walk in the flesh, but I will walk in the Spirit. I will enjoy the abundant life today because today is a new day. Your mercy is fresh and new in my life. Your grace enables me, Lord, and your forgiveness is more than I can ever exhaust. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that you have a good plan for us. You've poured out your goodness in our lives. We need you, Lord. We don't want to abuse your grace, but we recognize we need you more and more and more, Lord. It's all about our great need for you. And I thank you, Lord, that you respond by not saying, you're bugging me, you asked too many times, not anymore, but you respond by saying, yes, 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 I just pour out my love and grace on you. Yes, I've got goodness beyond your ability to ask or think. I want to pour it out on you. It abounds towards you. That's what you always say to your children, Lord. I thank you for that. That your goodness abounds towards us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The words that you've spoken over us today, we receive them and we rejoice over them. We embrace them, Lord. We are changed today in your presence. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. So, <clears throat> isn't God good? I, uh, man, I'm glad to see you guys. I look out there and see, I see people I hadn't seen in uh, months and months. And, uh, don't want to name all the names because sure as the world I'd leave somebody out. But I can, I can see several families and people that I've been missing. And it's good to see you. Oh, everything is uh, not normal, but it's getting better. And I believe that God has, uh, he has a purpose in all of this. And I think he's shaking and stirring the body of Christ. And we need, to be, uh, we need to be responsive to that. And we always need to be looking for opportunities where God is moving. See what God is wanting to do, what God is saying, what God is doing. And we look around at all the... You know, uh, such chaos and confusion in the world and it, it just it really gets old you know you turn the news on or whatever and it's just blah 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 you know, the same stuff and uh, you know yeah it's like uh, the Charlie Brown you know, I, I just I don't want to hear it anymore you know but 
but it's part of our life. I mean, it's there. And there is a reality that some of that is not going to just go away. I mean, we're going to have to learn to deal with it. And we're going to have to respond to God the way that he wants us to. And he wants us to humble ourselves. And seek him and turn from all the things that we've been doing wrong and all the things that we've allowed to happen in this country. And he wants us to return to our roots. You know, this country was founded on uh, godly principles. And we've strayed so far from that, it's unrecognizable now. And yet, God is greater than all of this mess that we see. But God's people need to rise up and begin to, to humble themselves and to lament and mourn and grieve and be burdened over the brokenness and the sinfulness of our nation. And we need to rise up as the body of Christ and serve and love in humility. And we need to be unified. And I, I believe God is doing a, a, an amazing thing in the body of Christ. It's just starting. But we're going to believe and we're going to jump in there and believe that God is going to work that in our little body, in each one of us individually, and he's going to continue that until this nation is changed or destroyed, one or the other. And I'm okay either way because I know where I'm going. <clears throat> I'm ready. I'd like to see the nation restored and redeemed because I love this country, but on the other hand, um, I'm okay. As long as, uh, as long as I do what I'm supposed to do, it's all good. So, happy Father's Day. Um, maybe you got, a, you got a card. Fight the good fight. There you go. We all need to be fighting the good fight, that's for sure. You know, I would love to just be able to relax and enjoy life, but unfortunately, we are, we are doing a battle all the time. And if you don't recognize that you're in a battle, you're probably losing. Uh, so, unfortunately, this is not a, uh, a life of leisure and luxury. It is a call to do battle. And, uh, but we've got to do battle in love. So <clears throat> the announcements are pretty straightforward. We've got children's church, uh, age 6 through 12. That would be roughly first grade through sixth grade. And, uh, man, we're doing all the good stuff. We're making you sanitize and stay in your square. And, you know, we've we got a big stick up there we can whop you with if you get out of that square. No, no. We're, but we're, we're doing everything we can to try to do right. And, by the way, uh, I got a letter from Foursquare this week, and, for y'all that may not know that, Foursquare is the, the movement or denomination that we are a part of. And they were encouraging all Foursquare churches to uh, have certain things in order and comply. And so uh, I just feel compelled to remind you that we are still supposed to be, you know, doing the social distancing and doing the things that we're supposed to do. And I realize when we all come together, you guys are like herding cats, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to control you, but uh, I'm just asking you to, you know, to try to, to try to be respectful. Anyway, all right. So uh, we are opening back up some other meetings. Uh, We've got the men's and women's meeting uh, coming up this Saturday. And um, <clears throat> the adult Bible class uh, is on Sunday morning, started again today. We've got the women's Bible study on Wednesday morning at uh, the Creation Coffee House. 
We've got uh, intercessory prayer still on Saturday. We've got Camp Hope going on for children. So if you can't go to those things, you can join in the right times for prayer. The men's and women's meetings, uh, Saturday night at 6.30, men are going to have pizza. And, uh, you know, if you don't like pizza, eat before you come. But we're going to have pizza because uh, we're trying to do our social distancing thing so you're not up there all handling the food and everything. We let one person with a spatula serve you, you know. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do it. Anyway, we're not going to share germs any more than we have to. I'll put it that way. Uh, and uh, Richard Parnell is going to be uh, sharing uh, something the Lord's been putting in his heart, so I'm excited about that. And uh, it'll be a good time. We'll have fun, have a time of uh, worship and fellowship and uh, the Word, and then we'll pray together some. The women are going to be meeting at uh, Creations Coffee House again and uh, have a guest speaker, Susan Buck, who is... Uh, the wife of the guy who spoke a few months ago at our men's meeting, Larry, uh, he's a neighbor of ours, and we're looking forward to that because she's going to share. They have an amazing testimony about all the things that God has done in their life, miraculous, wonderful things, and God has blessed them and given them favor. And so I think you'll really enjoy that. So even if you don't normally come, it's an opportunity for you to come and uh, enjoy that. Yes? We will not be having a meal for the women. Okay. Okay. No meal, but if you want to bring something to eat, you can bring it, I guess. All right, so if you've got questions about that, you can talk to Tracy or Carol or, or somebody. They'll tell you all about it. Uh, <clears throat> so um, Kim, uh, Kim Pittner was here last week, really enjoyed his ministry, and I thank you guys for being faithful. You, you blessed him with a, a nice love offering. We appreciate that. Uh, next week... Carlos Neighbors is going to preach to us. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that and uh, encourage you to come because he's got something that God's been stirring in him for weeks and months and uh, it's been evolving and changing and growing and I'm just uh, excited to hear it because I know God's going to speak to us. Um, I think that's it. I feel like I'm leaving something out, but I know Eddie's got an announcement, so uh, go ahead. Um, for the past 15 years, uh, Johnny has, uh, has served on the praise team, and uh, she's decided that now it's time to, to step down. So I just want you to know that you have been a blessing to me, and you have been a blessing to us. Um, your, your faithfulness and your commitment is a, is a real inspiration to us. Um, we're going to miss you on the platform. We always look forward to you ministering uh, in the songs and between the songs and, and, and allow, allow over the songs and, and just allowing God to use you as, as, as a minister. Um, so we, we got you a gift. Oh, goodness. And uh, I, I actually, if it's okay, I want to take it yes, out and read it. Yes. Or you can. No, let me read it. Yes. <laughs> let, let me read it. I, I think it's big enough I can see it without my glasses. How far do you need it out? Out here. <laughs> to those who serve, God has a special place for each of us to serve, and you have followed his path. You have been his hands and feet, and the love of God expressed in many different ways. 
You have chosen to honor him as you have served in his name. Thank you for your willingness to give of yourself and be used where God has placed you. You have blessed many lives. It's so precious because the here lately I've felt like I have really let my group down because I can't come on Thursday nights. I can't drive at night anymore. Just so many things happening. And I, I started seeking the Lord and, and I felt like this is time. I, I had asked the Lord, I said, tell me when it's time. It's, I don't want to do it a, any before you, you say so because I want to minister to the Lord and that's my heart. But God, I, I feel peace about this. And I feel, I love every one of, every one of you, every one of you. They've meant so much to me. And still do, and still will. <laughs> thank you so much, though, and thank you all for letting it, letting me serve. Thank you. Anybody else want to say anything? Yeah, I want to say something. Um, over the last 15 years, um, she's not only been a blessing to this church, but um, Johnny has supported Eddie in in more ways than you guys ever know. Um, she has supported him in all of his theatrical stuff and all of his music and there's so much behind the scenes that you don't know that Johnny has done and for me it's this is this is a hard thing to to see and I'm very blessed that you have been there the whole time and I still expect you to be out here still doing the same thing but um, I want you to know as a wife I am so very blessed that he had you to support him through some of the hard times and some of the some of the just yeah it, it's it's been a thing she's treated him like a son and and a mentor and everything so it's it's been amazing so thank you Johnny I really appreciate it Amen. I could have said something, but I probably would have blubbered and messed it up. Eddie did great. And I'll just add to it and say amen. We, we love Johnny, and, uh, and she's not going to quit doing what she's been doing. She's just going to do it from her seat. So uh, I don't know if you all heard her this morning, but she was sharing a prophetic word that God was putting in her heart, and, uh, and, and she's going to continue to minister to us. It just won't be from the platform. <clears throat> so... You know, things change. Um, that's part of life. And it's not always for the better, but uh, we can make what we want to out of change. You can either moan and complain and whine and cry about it, or you can just embrace it and say, God, what are, you, what are we doing now in this season of my life? And so uh, in all the, all the changes that we experience, you know, it's an opportunity for us to, to move forward. So. I'm not going to let you get up and talk today because you don't behave. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, yeah. anyway. So we're going to go right to the word. Yes, ma'am. Oh, we're going to let the kids out. We will let the kids out. We will let the kids get up. Get up and get out. Go on. Moving along, little doggies. All right. Sorry. Thank you all so much for all your prayers.
Amen. That's been a great thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she's thanking us for our prayers, and uh, we're happy to do it. You know, that's one of the things that this body does. We love one another, and we support one another in multiple ways, and uh, praying for each other is one of those ways. So I told you I was going to do something different for Father's Day, and um, that's going to be at the end. So just reminding you that it's going to be... <laughs> Um, so we're going to talk about Matthew 17 and 18. Uh, I figured out that I'm really more of a storyteller than a preacher, I think. So uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to talk to you. That's what I do best, is what some people would say. Uh, so Matthew 17, <clears throat> and, uh, and we've been talking about wounds of the soul. And so this week we're going to specifically talk about unforgiveness. But I want to kind of give you a little introduction and background and set the stage. So the beginning of Matthew 17 is the transfiguration of Christ. And it was this wonderful, glorious time when God uh, revealed uh, who Jesus really was. I mean, everyone up to that point, some were thinking he was the Messiah. Some was thinking he was some prophet. Some didn't know who he was. Some thought he was nobody. But when when the transfiguration happened, those who were there, those who were present, Peter, James, and John, they saw that he was the Christ. They saw him in all of his deity. They saw him glorified in, in their eyes. It was a pretty cool uh, display. And yet, in all of that revelation, his, uh, his humility was still displayed. Because Jesus wasn't saying, yeah, look at me. He was... He immediately began to tell them when they left there, I'm fixing to die. I'm going to do what I came to do, which is to humble myself and offer myself and give myself. And I just want to make a couple of quick points as we go through uh, this whole chapter. So when something great and glorious happens, you know, what else happens? The enemy comes and starts trying to disrupt and distract. So as soon as they come down off of the Mount of Transfiguration, more of the, you know, the three disciples, they were like, wow, man, that was great. You know, they get down there, and here's this big bunch of chaos, you know, walked right into a hornet's nest. There was this little boy that was sick, and his dad was trying to get him healed, and the disciples were praying, but nothing was happening, and the Pharisees and the scribes were questioning them and grilling them, and what's the matter with y'all? Why can't you do it? And, you know, is he really the Messiah? I mean, they were, they were, it was just a hornet's nest. And Jesus came and he dealt with it. And then he, he moved right on. He didn't, didn't hang out there, but he moved right on into uh, a question about the temple tax. And it's interesting because in, uh, there's a context to all of this. If you think about it, you know, the revelation that he is the Messiah, and then an attack from the enemy, disruption, chaos, confusion, questions, and then the temple tax thing comes up, and they, someone came to, to Peter and said, um, you know, your temple tax is past due. Are you going to pay it? And, uh, you know, the truth is, I think they had not been in Jerusalem for probably six months or so, and so they hadn't had an occasion to pay because they weren't even there. But, uh, and maybe the guy was being kind. He didn't say, you know, you guys are... You know, y'all are a bunch of slouches. He went to Peter and said, hey, uh, by the way, the temple tax wasn't, it wasn't a law. It was a suggestion. 
It's kind of like social distancing. It's, it's a strong suggestion. It's not a law. Anyway, so Peter went back to Jesus and said, they're asking about the temple tax. And he said, well, <clears throat> let me make a point here. He said, so when uh, the king has a tax, who pays the taxes? The king's children or the strangers? And Peter said, well, the strangers. And he said, that's right. He said, the king's kids, royalty, doesn't have to pay tax. They're exempt from tax. There are no, I guarantee you, there's no children of kings anywhere in the world that pay tax. I did check, and our politicians pay tax, but, uh, but they get a lot of perks. Their lives are not like ours in the way that they pay taxes and everything else. But in this instance, Jesus said, you know, that's right, you're right. The, the royalty doesn't have to pay tax. What he was really saying is, I don't owe any tax because this is my father. My father's house is not, is not a taxable item to me. But just so that there's no offense, so that all the naysayers and all the other people, let's just go ahead and we'll pay the tax. Peter, go down there, wet a hook. First one you catch going to have exactly enough for you and me in his mouth. Just take that coin, go pay our tax, and we'll be good so that they won't have any reason to be offended. So that's, that sets the tone now for what we're talking about because we're going to talk about offenses. And Jesus said, I don't really owe this tax, technically, but just so I don't cause any offense for anyone, I want to go ahead and, and comply. And then when you start in chapter 18 in Matthew, the question comes up about who is greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus' response was, well, you should humble yourself and be like little children. And... Uh, what I like about little children is that they, they are just themselves, you know. And sometimes it ain't all that pretty, but uh, they are just themselves. You know, they just are who they are. And what I like is that they, they are unencumbered by all of the pride and uh, fear and uh, anxiety that we develop as we grow older. You know, kids, you can say, come out here and dance. And like, woo-hoo, they just, they just go out there and just start dancing. But then that same kid, you know, six months or a year later, he said, get out there and dance. Like, ooh, ooh. You know, that's the, way, that's the way we all are. We learn behavior that is, it's really unfortunate because it's not the way God intended for us to be. He intended for us to be free and to be confident in who we are and to not worry about what people think about us. The only person we need to worry about the way they think is our Father in heaven. If we're pleasing him, then we don't care what men think. So, Jesus, uh, he said, you got to be like a little child. Now, that doesn't mean you got to be uh, ignorant and childlike in your way of thinking, but it does mean that you ought to have childlike trust. Um, I mean, children trust. You know, mom or dad says, I'm going to do this. I mean, they believe. And they say, okay. I wasn't too reliable sometimes. So I would tell my kids, I'm going to come get you after practice. No, please let mom come. You never come on time. <laughs> but, but I came. It just, you know, they might have been the last one there, but I, I got there. But, uh, <clears throat> but generally speaking, children trust their parents because their word is, uh, is trustworthy. So then Jesus goes on and he says, uh, Offenses will come, but woe to those who cause them. And he says, if, 
He said, it's impossible, but the offenses will come. There are going to be offenses. And offense is like when you, you do something to someone that causes them to stumble. So, you know, you might not intentionally trip them, but if you do something that causes them to trip, you still offended them. And one of the things that I've discovered in life is that a lot of offenses are not real in one sense, and yet they're totally real in the other sense. And that is that a perceived offense is just as real as a true offense. And so, you know, we, we look at each other, and we listen to each other, and we hear things, and we see things, and we start thinking, what do they mean by that? What do they really mean by that? That, why, they were, they did me wrong. You know, we're, we're assuming, as the lawyers would say, assuming facts not to be in evidence, you know, or whatever. I mean, you're, you're assuming something that, uh, and then you just, it takes a life all of its own. Then that offense becomes a real thing that actually is, now it's a problem in your life because you have received an offense. And if you were to go and talk to that other person, they may be, what? What are you talking about? I don't, I never said that. I never did that. I don't even, I don't even know what you're talking about. Because they, they were not doing it intentionally to hurt you. It's just, it was a misperception. So it's impossible, but the offenses will come. And then he talks about removing offending things from your life. And man, this is harsh. But he says, you know, if, you're, if your eye offends you, just pluck it out. Because it's better to go into eternity with one eye than to go to hell. And he said, if your hand offends you, just lop it off. Because it's better to, you know, to have one hand than to go into eternity with two hands and go to hell. Now, you, you could take that literally. But what he's really saying is, just get the offending stuff out of your life, would you? I mean, take it seriously. If you've got a problem looking at certain things and you can't look at something without lusting after it, then change the way you look at things. If you have a problem grabbing and holding on to things, then change the way you hold things. You know, I mean, it's, everything in this life is subject to us and our choices. We don't have to do the things the same way we've always done them. We can choose to be different because God's grace and mercy can change us. But we have to recognize that we have a problem and we have to submit ourselves to the Lord and say, I need you to help me change. So we're going to talk more uh, as the weeks go by. We're going to be talking more about the fix. Well, I mean, so far, I've just been kind of bombarding you with all the problems. These wounds in our soul. We've got wounds that we inherit. We've got wounds that, that we pick up because of things that happen to us and relationships that we have and, and sins that we, you know, that we commit. They, they create wounds in our soul. Shame and guilt, it's attached to us. And then uh, unforgiveness is another one of these things that, that we're going to talk about. And so each week I've kind of given you the, the quick summary of that you know, God can heal us and redeem us, but we are going to talk about restoring our souls and healing our minds so that we can renew and restore our minds and we can think and act the way that we're supposed to. <clears throat> Remove the offending things in your life. And then Jesus starts talking about, now this is all still in context, I think, but uh, he's talking about who he is, who God is, how things work in the spiritual realm. And he says, so there's this guy who had a hundred sheep 
and everything's hunky-dory. He was happy, everything's fine, but then one of his sheep strays off and he can't find it. So what does he do? He leaves the 99 and he goes and he finds the one. And when he finds the one and brings it back, it's a woohoo, big party, time for rejoicing because there was one lost, but now it's found. He rejoiced more over the one than he did over the 99 that never strayed. Now, sometimes we, I think we look at that and it's like, well, I don't get that. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that God loves each one of us so much that he gave everything so that each one of us could know him. And he, he doesn't leave 99, but he does keep searching for us and he does keep pursuing us until his, his love wins us over and we say yes. God just keeps searching for us. I, I say that all the time, but man, what a, what a great thing to know that God never gives up on us. He keeps, he keeps going after us with his love. He just keeps coming over and over and over. And we may reject him. We may, we may be too busy. We may not want to hear it. You know, we may not believe it, whatever. But that doesn't stop him because he keeps loving us because God is love. That's what he does. And we're supposed to be like him. So in our lives, we should get pretty excited about that one that maybe is lost. We should get pretty excited about the one that needs help. And sometimes we focus on all of our, our friends and good relationships. Maybe we need to focus on the relationships that aren't so good. Maybe we need to focus on the people that, that are suffering, that need a little extra help. That's what it really comes down to. The ones that got it all going on, you know, you don't really need someone to spend a huge amount of time and energy on you. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to love you. But, but people who are struggling, they need, they need someone to seek them out and say, man, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of setting aside all my other activities, all the things that are going on in my life, and I'm coming because you're that one, and I want to help you. I am committing myself to helping you because you are valuable. You're valuable to me, and you're valuable to our Father. And then... Jesus goes um, and talks more about the children again. And he says the Father cares for children. And the idea is that we should care in that same way. And I think he's talking about literal children in one sense. You know, we're not supposed to treat children as though they're insignificant or they don't matter or they're less than us. You know, the old saying used to be, you know, Children are supposed to be seen, not heard. Uh, God forgive us for that. You know, children need to be heard. They have a voice. And when they cry out, when they're, when they're saying, Daddy or Mommy, I, you know, I mean, we need to be paying attention to that. We need to be listening to that because that's significant. God cares about the children, and we should care about them. And, and it could be uh, young Christians the same way, you know, the little ones, people who are immature in their faith. We need to love them and support them and care about them, watch over them. You know, a little baby can't take care of itself. Uh, Noah's got one back here, you know. That little baby, you know, if you didn't take care of it, that little baby could not survive. And uh, 
Young Christians are the same way. You know, they have to have someone feed them and nurture them and change them and care for them and hold them. They need to be loved. If you put that baby in a, in a sterile environment and just nobody ever spoke to it, nobody ever touched it, nobody ever held it, she would be forever impacted negatively. We need to be loved. We need to be encouraged and supported. And that's all part of, that's all, that's all part of uh, what, we're, what we're about. We're supposed to love and support one another. We do a good job of that here. You guys are good at that. And then Jesus goes on and starts talking about offenses again. And he says, so if your brother offends you, he said, uh, here's how you deal with it. He laid out a biblical plan. And it's real simple and straightforward. It is a little harsh at the end, but uh, the first step is if someone does something to you, and this would be a real offense or a sin that, you know, you see them do and you're offended by, you know, I mean, unfortunately, because we, if we see someone do something that our mind is wrong, we're probably going to be offended about it. And we're going to be thinking, that person, they just did wrong. You know, we're not really supposed to be a judge like that, but I'm just being honest. Most of us are. And so it could be something that they don't even know about. But nonetheless, if you are offended by someone, the biblical method of getting that resolved is for you alone to go to that person and have a discussion. Don't go accusing. Just go and say, look, you know, brother or sister, uh, I think you did this and it really it hurt me and so we need to talk about that and if they, if they say I don't know what you're talking about then you can say okay well then it's okay then I forgive you we're good if they recognize yeah you're right I did lie and talk bad about you behind your back then hopefully they'll say you know, gee whiz, I'm sorry, you know, will you forgive me? But if they don't, guess what? Still your responsibility to say, I forgive you, and we're good. Because you understand now that all the offenses and things that we've experienced in our life, a good portion of them are people way back. There, there are things that happened years ago. We don't know those people anymore. They're not in our lives anymore. Some of them may have even passed away. But we still have to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, there's some bad things are going to happen in your life. And then, if that brother doesn't repent and doesn't do right, now this, I mean, this would be a really pretty egregious thing. Generally speaking, I would say just, you know, if you have a problem with someone, go and talk to them. If you can't work it out, then just forgive them and just let it be healed. But now, if it's something that's going to affect the body, like someone is is going around, you know, doing something horrible that could reflect badly on the whole body, and you go to them one-on-one, -on -one and you say, man, you know, you really, you really don't need to be doing this, and you well, the next step is you get somebody else, one or two others, to go with you that, that know about it. That doesn't mean you go and gossip and stir up a crowd, you know, and get a mob together. It just means uh, you find out there's some other people that have seen and experienced that, yeah, we, you know, this is a problem. We need to do something. Then two or three of you can go again to the person, just to, that little small group, and confront them again and say, you know, this is, this is not right. You need, to, you need to change. 
And if the person says, no, nah, I don't then the next step is you take them before the whole church. And if they don't respond in front of the whole church, then unfortunately what it tells you to do is give them the left foot of fellowship and say, you know, just go on down the road because uh, you're not willing to, to change and you're, you're causing a bad reputation on the rest of us and we're just going to ask you to leave. You know, you're not going to be a member in good standing anymore because you won't do the simple thing that we're asking you to do. Now that would have to be a really egregious thing. I'm not saying, you know, you hear someone say a bad word and you're going to drag them before the church. I'm saying if someone was doing something really bad and they refused to change, that would be a problem. So, um, and then, after having said all that, uh, then Jesus moved into an area that uh, has been often talked about, but he, he said, you know, you, you need to forgive and, and uh, forgive your brother. And, and someone, Peter, I think, said, well, Lord, how many times in the day should I forgive my brother? Seven? And uh, seven was like a, you know, it was a magical number for the rabbis. You know, that's like they made a big deal about that. I mean, seven, uh, you know, you were supposed to forgive four, three or four. But if you did seven, it's like we're double dipping, man. We're going way beyond, way beyond. We're really, we're really forgiven. Man, we're great. And Jesus said, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. Basically, what he was saying is an infinite number because we're supposed to forgive. And then he tells this story. And, uh, and he said there was a king that wanted to settle accounts. And so he called all of his servants in one at a time. And this one owed this enormous amount of money. It was like $12 million. It was a huge amount of money. And, uh, and the king said, wow, you know, we're going to put you in prison, man. We're going to sell you as a slave and your wife and your kids, and we're going to get what little bit of money we can for you as slaves, and you're going to go to prison. That's where you're going to stay until you pay every single bit that you owe me. And the servant said, oh, please. He fell down before him, and he, and he begged, and he said, please have mercy on me. And the king said, okay. I forgive the whole debt. And so, man, the guy was like, why I escaped there. He goes right out in the street, and here's one of his fellow servants, and it says he grabbed him by the throat. And, and that's an expression that was used back then. It's like a twisting. And what they do, they would grab him by the throat, and they would twist him, and they would drag him right to the, right to the judge and say, this guy owes me, sell him, give me the money, put him in prison. And not only that, but he... He said, pay me what you owe. He grabbed him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. And that pay me what you owe, the, the real intent there is that I'm not even sure that you owe me anything, but if you do, you better pay me. I got you by the throat. And the guy did the exact same thing that he did. He fell to see and said, please, you know, have mercy on me. I'll pay you everything. And this guy, by the way, he owed like 50 bucks, you know, I mean, the other guy, 12 million, he, I mean, it's, it's just such a phenomenal difference that it's not even imaginable. But this guy, no, I'm selling you and your wife and your kids and I'm putting you in prison and you're not coming out until I'm repaid everything you owe. Well, all the other servants heard about it and they got pretty upset. They went and they told the king and the king dragged this guy back and he said, you sorry, no good rat. I forgave you that huge debt. And look, you went right out, and you should have had compassion and mercy, but you didn't. And so guess what? I'm reinstating the debt, baby. You're going down, down, down. 
And he said, sell this guy, his wife and his kids, and put them in prison and turn them over to the torturers. And he said, and at the end of the story, he said, this is what your heavenly father will do to you if you do not from your heart forgive your brother. Now the whole thing about the torturers, that's an expression that was used for jailers. And they weren't just people that kept the jail. I mean, they enjoyed causing misery and pain and discomfort. You know, I can just imagine the horrible things that they would do. You know, withhold food. You know, here, you want your food? You know, drop it on the ground. You know, just all that kind of stuff. And beating them and, you know, talking bad to them. Man, you know, sure is good having the good food. Sure is good having a, a nice toilet to use. Sure is good being able to go home with my wife and kids. Just torturing them all the time. Well, so here's what happens. When you are unforgiving, when something offends you and you don't forgive, you get turned over to the torturers. And what that looks like is that you're miserable. You have bitterness and resentment, unforgiveness, anger, frustration, and, and you can't see clearly. You can't understand anything. You're in bondage. And, um, and the way it works in the spiritual realm is that when we... When we sin, and by the way, I think pride is really like the root of all sin. Because if you think about it, everything else that we do that would be sin kind of stems from how things affect me. Me, 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 me. I mean, I'm not warming up to sing, you know, me, 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 me. That's what we think. If you think that way, then that's pride. Everything is about me. How does this affect me? So if someone offends me, why? I have a right to be treated better than that. If, if you're afraid, it's like, oh, what's going to happen to me? If you're anxious, oh, what am I going to do? It's all about me. If you're ashamed and you feel unworthy, oh, I'm not like everybody else. It's all about me. You see what I'm saying? It, it's really kind of at the root of everything. And unforgiveness... It's all about me. I have a right to be mad at them because they did me wrong. They said this about me. They did this to me. They did this, you know, behind my back. I'm offended and I have a right to be that way. And it's true. You do have a right to be that way. But as long as you are that way, you're going to live in prison and you're going to be tortured. And I would say it's a whole lot better to choose forgiveness because you get out of prison and you get away from the torturers. Now, at the end of the story, just think about this. At the end of the story, there's two families, two families that are in prison being tortured. You know, we kind of tend to forget about that first family, but the unforgiving servant, when he threw that other guy and his family into prison, they were still in prison at the end of the story until they paid everything. And how do you pay a debt when you're in prison? You can't work. I mean, unless someone comes along and pays the debt for you. Oh, hey, maybe that's the answer. Jesus came along and paid the debt for us. How about that? And all we have to do is apply it. And so, when we are unforgiving, what happens 
in the spiritual realm is that it puts us in prison, it puts us in bondage. And it also, it puts the other person in a form of bondage as well. And when we forgive, not only do we come out of prison and out of bondage and get set free, but it sets them free too. And so sometimes the person that, that keeps doing you wrong and you keep thinking, man, why do they keep being mean or ugly or doing me like that? If you could forgive them, they could probably change themselves. That'd be a novel approach, wouldn't it? How about if we, if we started practicing forgiveness so that we can set them free? Because I promise it works. In the spiritual realm, they are bound because you're bound. And Jesus even talked about that in the same context. He said, whatsoever things on earth you bind will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose will be loosed in heaven. He was talking about the authority of the believer to, to correct things and to challenge things and to change things. That We don't have to just accept whatever comes our way. We have a chance to say, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life just like it's being done in heaven. Because that's what that phrase means. Everything that we bind has already been bound in heaven. Everything that we loose has already been loosened. That means we're coming into agreement with what's going on in heaven. And when we come into agreement with that, God is for us. And God will work in that. So unforgiveness is a huge thing. And it will, it will wreck your life. And I'm here to tell you that uh, God can forgive. And he can heal us of unforgiveness. And we can, be, we can be restored and redeemed. I stand here as a living testimony. And uh, if you ever want to hear the testimony again, I'll be glad to share it with you. I'm proud. I'm proud that I'm redeemed. I'm proud that God forgave me and cleansed me and changed me. But for many years, I couldn't see all that. I was just blinded to it all because I was so bitter and angry and frustrated and walking in unforgiveness that I couldn't see any of it. When God set me free, though, then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I can see. I can see clearly now. <laughs> you know, the beauty of being healed and redeemed and restored is that it, you begin to see everything the way that you ought to see it. And instead of seeing things through eyes that have been offended and hurt and wounded and thinking everybody's out to get you or nothing's going to go right in your life, it's an opportunity to begin to see that God has a plan, and it's a good plan. And he wants to work his good plan in your life. I was going to share some other scriptures, but I don't think I'm going to. Can I just say to you, though, that the... Uh, the way it works in the spiritual realm is like with Adam and Eve. When they, when they ate from the tree, from knowledge of good and evil, they basically handed over the keys to earth and said, Satan, you have dominion now. They had that dominion. It was given to them from God. And because they rebelled, they chose to listen to their own voice. They disobeyed God. Then they, they legally, legally gave Satan the right to rule and reign on earth. So when we choose, when we choose to walk in unforgiveness, we have given a place to the devil. I mean, it's like a legal place. He, you know, it's a place that he can be attached to in our lives. And you might not like that. 
But I'm just telling you, that's how that torture thing all works. Those demonic influences are attached to you because you've got unforgiveness. And it doesn't seem fair sometimes to me that I've got unforgiveness that maybe I'm not even aware of. But that's the reason that we're supposed to be pursuing God. That's the reason that the Exodus event that we read about when the children of Israel left Egypt, it was just the starting place. That wasn't the whole thing. It was the starting place. It was the big Passover. It was the day they got set free. It was the day, it's like when we come to the altar and we're born again. You're born again. I mean, your life has changed. You're a new creation. But you still have all those things in your life that are hanging on that you have to gradually work out. And when God told him, he said, go to the promised land. It's a great land. It's flowing with milk and honey. But there's giants that live there. There's people that occupy the land. You've got to go and you've got to root them out. You've got to cast them out. You've got to take authority over them and send them on down the road. Send them packing. And if we don't do that in our lives spiritually, all those offenses, all those unforgiveness, those areas where we've given place to the devil, they're just going to keep staying there. And so every day we ought to be praying, Lord, shine your light in them. Show me. Help me see the things where I've got, I've got areas that need to be changed. I've got areas that I need to be healed of. Because all those areas of unforgiveness, all the areas of pride and rebellion, all the areas where we've, we've done things and allowed things and agreed with the wrong voices, they create these wounds in our soul. And they're just like festering wounds that the enemy is attached to. And we want those things healed and out of our lives so that God can have his way in us every day the way that he wants to. So, I'm, uh, I'm just going to say that the simple, the simple answer is that we forgive. And you have to forgive. If you're going to forgive from your heart, it has to be like Jesus did when he was on, on the cross. What did he say? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. If we can forgive like that, if we can say, I forgive, and say, Father, would you forgive them? Because I know they don't, they're not trying to hurt me. This is, this is the devil that's trying to do this to me. It's not this person. Even though what they did hurt me, I recognize that that's just the devil doing that. And so I forgive them. I ask that you forgive them. And when we begin to, to do that, we start getting free. And then... The next thing is that you begin to do what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He said, bless those who, uh, who wrongfully do things to you. and uh, don't, don't curse them, but bless them. If they persecute you or they, they do things, they despise you, they hate you, bless them. He said, you've heard in the past that you should love your brother but hate your enemy. He said, but I'm telling you, love your brother and love your enemies too. The people that do wrong to you, instead of saying, I'm going to get you back, how about you just begin to bless them? And to bless means to speak well of. And so when you begin to forgive from your heart, ask God to forgive. Say, Lord, I forgive. I ask that you forgive them. And then you begin to bless them. You begin to speak well of them. And begin to speak well of that person. Now, that person can be dead and gone. But you can still speak well of them into the heavenlies. Because it's between you and the Lord that's trying to work this healing in your life. That other person is really not even part of the equation anymore. This is you doing it. So you speak well of them. And when you begin to speak well of them at first, it'll be really hard. 
Because you'd be thinking, oh, that's sorry, no good at rat. And you'd be, and you'd be saying, yeah, man, well, I sure, I sure bless them. No, I really don't. But, you know, but it, it's a wrestle. You have to wrestle with it. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And then one day, you'll find yourself just getting excited about blessing them. And guess what? When you begin to bless people, that's the way you think about them. You don't think of them the way that they offended. You begin to think of them the way that you've been blessing them. And that's where the real power is in forgiveness because that's when you can be healed because then you truly are forgiven. And yeah, memories will come back up and you just bless them some more and go through that same routine. And if you'll do that, you'll get free of the torturers and you'll be walking in victory. So uh, I want to invite the worship team to come back and um, I told you I was going to do something different for Father's Day. So here's what we're going to do. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So a good father should have all those qualities. A good mother should have them too. Especially that long-suffering thing, man. Whew. You, you suffer. If you've got kids, you know, there is some suffering involved. But you do it because you love. Uh, the labor of love, yes. So, but here's, here's the thing, though, is that not every father or mother was like that. Not every father or mother had all those fruits of the Spirit evident in their life. Some of them were just not very kind to us. And so, um, I want to encourage you to take a few minutes and think about your relationship with your, your father specifically, but I want to include the mothers too because this involves both. And you as a father or a mother, and think about what you experienced as a child and, you know, as, a, as an adult with parents and how you have responded to your children in, the, in uh, those areas, too. And we're going to do something. I think we're going to do it between the songs. Uh, but uh, I wanna, what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to speak a Father's blessing over you. Because everybody needs the affirmation of a father. And maybe you got that a hundred bajillion times growing up. Maybe you never got it. But I'm going to speak a father's affirmation and blessing over you. And if, if you need that, then receive it. And otherwise, you know, you can just enjoy it. And, you know. But if you didn't get that from a father, maybe your father has is, is passed away. That's okay. Because you still need a father's blessing and affirmation. We all need that. We hear it from our Heavenly Father all the time. Every time we read His Word, we hear that. So as we, as we stand and worship, be thinking about that, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak those words over here in a minute.
Hallelujah. So, uh, I just want to encourage you to close your eyes. Think about that. I'm not taking your father's place. I'm just speaking some words that everybody needs to hear. And if you're a father or mother and you realize that you haven't done that with your children, I don't care if they're adult children. You can have grandchildren. It's not too late to speak some words of affirmation and blessing over them. So here we go. This is the type of thing every father should say to his children. My child, when I learned that you were coming into my life, it was awesome. I had such great anticipation of seeing you and holding you for the first time. The excitement of selecting a name, making preparations for your arrival was beyond words. Anxious thoughts, am I going to be okay with this? Am I going to be a good father? Can we afford this? All sorts of questions and what ifs, but they all disappeared when I held you and looked at your little face. All I wanted to do then was love you and hold you, protect you and provide for you, teach you and train you so that you could be happy and successful, hoping and believing that you'd have a better life than mine. I celebrated all of your little milestones and successes along the way, proudly showed pictures, bragged to my friends about you rolling over in your first steps, birthdays and school pictures and losing teeth and all those firsts, especially when we had those special times of just the two of us doing something together. I'm sorry for the times that I wounded you in my ignorance or my zeal to help you learn and grow into maturity. I never meant to hurt you, but I know I did sometimes. For this, I ask that you forgive me. I tried to be a good father, but I know I failed in many ways, so again, please forgive me. I love you, and I believe in you, and I support you, and I know that you'll be able to do, be, and accomplish anything you set your mind to do. My desire for you is that you would become the person God has designed you to be, that you would walk in His love, his mercy, His grace, all the days of your life. May you enjoy God's favor and blessing in every part of your life as you live the abundant life. And above all, know that I love you. I've always loved you. I will never not love you, no matter what events of life may occur. I will never, ever stop loving you. And I'll never stop believing and expecting the very best of you because you are will always be my child. Lord, I thank you that those are the words that you speak over us. You speak words of affirmation of how you love us and how you expect the best and believe the best over us. You mean to do good in our lives. Your goodness abounds towards us, Lord. And we, we don't always listen. We don't always hear what you're saying. And you don't have to ask forgiveness for failing as a father because you are a perfect father. You're a good, good father and you are perfect in all of your ways towards us. But we, Lord, we're frail and human and made from dust and we, and we do make mistakes. We do fall short. We, we do fail to express adequately our love and our gratitude and our expectations and, and our hopes those that we love and care about, Lord, help us to be better at expressing those things, that we could tell people how much we love them and how much we believe in them and how much we support them, 
that we could thank people for the good things and the kind things they do and have done for us. Lord, help us to be people that are filled with gratitude. And we're quick to express that with our words. Help us, Lord, to receive your blessing and affirmation. Help us to receive that as a child and as a, as a parent. We want to receive these words. And thank you for that in Jesus' name. shared this morning. I pray that you seal those words in our heart, Lord, that we would go out of here 
with a new outlook on life that we would see things just a little bit differently. More clearly, Lord, that in the spiritual realm that you have made a way. You've made a way for us to walk out of all that bondage and torture and, and <clears throat> we can be free. Help us, Lord. Help us to hear your voice clearly and respond to you. If you don't know the Lord, if you're here and you maybe you've never really given yourself fully to him, then I'd love to, to talk with you and pray with you. If, you're, if you'd like to talk about some of the things I said, ask a question or, or have a special prayer, I mean, I, I'll meet you here. We can pray. I just, we're going to dismiss, but it, you know, you don't have to rush away. You can linger in the presence of the Lord a little bit if you want to. And so, Lord, we thank you. We ask that uh, you bless everyone, Lord. Bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance upon us, Lord, and grant us, give us your perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Don't forget all the things going on. Uh, we got men's and women's meetings and uh, all kinds of other things. God bless you. Happy Father's Day.